Meanwhile... The crystal city glistens in the moonlight. Three of the six moons of Summa Nula are shining down, casting weird shadows in this abandoned city. Yeah, yeah, not totally abandoned. This was once an automated city. Now the rusted slidewalks no longer move. The winds blow through the broken city. What else? Whose thoughts? Slimy. Oh, yeah. Slimies. Biogenetically engineered assassins out for the hunt. I can feel their mind nets sweeping the city. Okay, mind webs. Spun from cool, slimy thoughts that drift out to touch and freeze you in your tracks. So they can step up and blast you away. I move silently. I feel the mind webs searching, sifting, trying to pick up human thoughts. In the faint light of the three half moons, I see someone moving across the square. Wait a second, that's... that looks like me. What the... They cut her down. Her circuits are oozing out of her stomach. She's not human. That's interesting, a Frankie that looks like me. Oh, she's still kicking. She's trying to get back up. Yeah, it's scaly back is turned. I step out. I let it hear the sound of my blaster being set. It whirls and fires. I slow it down and slip aside. A beam scorches past my head. A chunk of the city flies into the sky. Slimy is surprised. It missed. It didn't know I can control time. I smile. Here's a kiss for you. My name is Ruby. I'm a galactic gumshoe. A good one. The time is the 21st century. The planet is Summa Nula, crossroads of the galaxy. And this is my story. I call it The Big Deal. Thanks for joining us for this very special presentation, a kind of crossover show uh, between Sounds from Space and Mid-Valley Mutations. But it's also an extension of Dime Store Radio Theater. It's a lot of things all in one. And and, and that's why I'm kind of just, you know, stripping everything down and we're just going to do Ruby the Galactic Gumshoe tonight. This is uh, something I've been excited about re-listening to for a while now. And uh, yeah, I actually have to thank uh, Frankie, who's in the chat, um, WizClick yourself, um, for making this recommendation a while ago. I think even, oh gosh, last summer, 
uh, I think when I was doing the robot uh, radio revolution, you had suggested, oh, we should get more Ruby Gumshoe on uh, the program. And I was like, oh, yeah, you are right. Um, and so uh, uh, hopefully uh, we will be getting uh, this whole story here. And I can't fit it all into one episode. So um, we're going to hear this one. And uh, we're going to need one more installment to hear uh, how this all wraps up. So um, I think you're going to want to stick around for this. Now, I'll say a couple of things here, and then there's a few more breaks uh, later, so we'll uh, we'll get into this. But uh, Ruby uh, the Galactic Gumshoe was originally aired as three-minute to four-minute, maybe sometimes as as low as two-minute installments. Originally on NPR, but many radio stations picked it up uh, back in the day. Uh, of course, uh, the original series was all written, produced, and aired in 1982. Uh, but since then, uh, there have been, uh, I think, 11 different uh, Ruby series, uh, including one that was produced this year uh, in uh, 2023. Um, and so uh, it's still got the same writer. It's still got the same uh, actors. Uh, it's uh, still got the same music and, and sound effects production. Uh, it, it's it's uh, a really unique beast. Uh, for something to have been around for about 40 years and have the same kind of continuity and uh, style and production and whatnot, it's, it's very fascinating. Uh, and, and, I mean, I think it's there from the first episode. Right, right, right away you get a taste of what this show is, is and what it's like. And uh, I'm going to give you some more. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a, a Mid-Valley Mutations, sort of, with Sounds from Space and uh, Dime Star Radio Theater. And we've got uh, WR and Frankie and H and Mr. Fab all hanging out in the chat. Uh, and uh, why don't we just uh, uh, get uh, to the uh, the fun here? Um, uh, you'll you'll kind of... Uh, um, pick things up very quickly because uh, this this show just dumps you right into the action. So let's find out who uh, Ruby Gumshoe is here on Sheena's Jungle Room. Enjoy. The Slimies had blasted some Frankie. She was dressed up to look like me. On closer inspection, I discovered she didn't look like me at all. Ruby. Yeah. What's your name, kid? Angel Lips. I am a Frankie. <laughs> I noticed. Your circus is spilling out all over the street. I heard. We'll find your body shop. Ruby. Why are you dressed like me? Ruby. Shut up and answer. Ruby. Look, kid. Answer, or I'll short-circuit your intestines. Ruby. Wise. A tentacle is reaching for you. <laughs> a tentacle. Oh. A tentacle wraps around my fistful neck. Drags me backwards through a slit in the wall. <laughs> Ruby? I'm looking at a thing with four tentacles, three eyes, a thin blue mustache, and wearing a red fez. I am the Tuka. Get your tacky tentacles <laughs> off of me. <laughs> Certainly. Oh. But, but, but please do not reach for your blaster. The Tuka is quicker than Ruby. I doubt it. <laughs> What's a ball of tentacles like you doing in a town like this? I monitor the city. Mm. They are closing in, spinning a mine net for you, Ruby. Yeah. I wonder what that Frankie did to put the slimies on my back. Oh. 
Latuka is quicker than you, Ruby. Um, I know the Kapoorian hired you. Oh, <laughs> so you know that fat little rat-faced Kapoor. He has hired me to assist you. Look, tentacles, I work alone. I may be able to lend a hand. <laughs> Forget it. I have a cube. May I play it? Sure. Ruby, that's right. My name is Rodant. I'm a Kapuri. What do you want, Rodent? Rodant, mm. not Rodent. So what do you want? We want you to find out who is manipulating reality. Get out of here. Wait, wait, please. My people will pay handsomely. How handsomely? Most handsomely. Sit down. Uh, thank you. Someone is trying to control the mind of this planet. The media, Rudy. The media have given them the power. It is driving everyone crazy, 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 and there is no end to it. Technology will only advance their powers. We cannot evolve, mutate fast enough to cope. Something must be done before we all go mad. Head, 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 There may be a conspiracy, Rudy. Conspiracy. Why me? Because you serve the Lords of Chaos. <laughs> that was hardly necessary. A little rodent. So, the rat-faced Kaburian has hired you to find who is controlling our images of reality. You got it. May I offer you a drink and extend a friendly tentacle? Sure. The Tuca extends his friendly three-fingered tentacle. I shake it. He has a good grip. I've shaken a lot of things in my life. Hands, paws, claws, fins, antennae. But there's something creepy about a tentacle. Those little suction cups fastening onto your skin. And this Tuca's got four tentacles. So how do you know if you're shaking his hand or his foot? <laughs> this was once a fully automated city. It was built to last for several millennia. It actually functioned for about ten years. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I left a Frankie lying out in the street. I'd like to drag her in. Ah, this is the central controls. I have repaired some. The weather is still a problem. Uh, there was once a time one could predict the weather and then create yeah, yeah. it. Look, Spider, yeah. save the tour. I'm going to get her out of the street before she's stripped for parts. I drag her inside, pick her up, and dump her on a table. The Tuca finally helps by scooping up some of the circuitry that's oozed out of her stomach. Ooh, lovely creature. Exquisite, fine, long legs, smooth, plastiflesh. A perfect humanoid body. Mind if I roll her over and examine the other side? She's up for grabs, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> ah, well crafted. No visible seams. What are you looking for? Hmm? Her power pouch. Ah, 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 ah. Wouldn't expect to find it there. One hides their power in strange places. I can see that. <laughs> uh, we'll give her a flash charge, huh? Here, clamp this onto her. Right. Uh, we'll see if she wiggles. Hey, you got a lot of zaps here, Spider. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry. Uh, the used Android market's not bad, but uh, I-, I hate to see her melted down before we cut to... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You 
getting results. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Move it lower. We're here. I guess that's the spot. The Tuca and I charged up the Frankie. We got her ticking, but not talking. The Slimies had blasted a hole in her big enough to stand in. Should be able to plug into her memory. A little fine tuning. My name is Angel Ah. I am a Frankie. Class 7. Class 7. I was created by Oops, by the Lazarus Android work. Clips work. slipped. The black star, star, star. Mm. In my dreams I want, 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 want. The black city, city. I can, I can, I can, I can, Hold I can, 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 I Replacing them with their own. You've been watching too many commercials, kid. I know now that I was created to program myself. They do not want that. Who's this they she keeps talking about? The, the dark star, star, star. The black city, city, city. I ride the slide walk, walk, walk. They spiral down and down. She's stuck. Pick her up and slam her against the table. <laughs> She has ceased. Guess that was the wrong thing to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, I believe we can... Listen. Huh? What's that? And not only uh, that... Another memory chip. When you consider that telepathy, telekinesis, teleportation were once considered to not even exist. Because listen to this, 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 this. Because it did not fit into any known model of physics. So how could it exist? And since no one believed it exists, even though it was right under their noses, it simply did not exist. So they did not know they could do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Listen, I know you are not going to believe this, but the stuff we call physics, but the stuff we call physics, but the stuff we call physics, the stuff we call physics, for the stuff we call physics, they used to call magic. I decided to get the Frankie out of there, but the city was crawling with slimies, biogenetically engineered assassins looking for me. Where can I get it repaired? Hmm? Uh, I highly recommend the band of renegade techies known as the Digital Circus. Hmm. Okay. So, how do I get out of here? How did you get here? Rented an air car. Well, there you go. I need a diversion. Of course. Here, we have the central weather controls for this sector of the city. It is not fully operational, still. Uh, there was a time when one could predict the weather and then create it. What do you have? Perhaps a fog. Nah. Fog won't stop a slimy. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like lightning. Yes. I have been working on that. 
make a little contact here. Turn up the gain, and... Nothing. Ah, of course. Here are the bandwidth. That'll do. Just don't singe me. Oh, of course not. Oh, this is a pleasure. I heave the Frankie on my shoulder. It's night out, but that won't stop a slimy's eyes. I duck down an alleyway. The Frankie ain't exactly light. Suddenly, at the end of the alley, a slimy leaps out, takes aim, but too late for him. I slow time. Let him have it. The air car is hidden on a rooftop. I climb the steps of an abandoned building. They're hot on my heels now. Catch my breath and wait. Hey, sucker! Suck on this! Up onto the roof. There's one hopping across... Tuka took that one out nicely. Singed his scales. You! Nothing worse than burnt slimy. Oh, there's more hopping across the rooftops. Tuka takes out another. I hop in the air car, flip on the protective shield, and blast my butt out of there. My name is Ruby. I'm a galactic gumshoe. A good one. The images they create, create reality, Ruby. The fat little rat-faced Kapoorian. We want to hire you to find out who is manipulating reality. They are replacing my dreams with their own. The Frankie, built and programmed for some guy's pleasure. I've never seen one like her. Andor, a young techie at the digital circus. What is her name? Angel Lips. Ooh, yeah. They know how to build them. Feel our plastiflesh. So real. It's warm, even. I love technology. Hmm? Yeah, they used to have inflatable dolls. Now they got this. I hurt. Andor here is one of the best. He'll fix you, kid. Oh, where am I? The digital circus. Be gentle, Andor. I'll be gentle. Angel lips. Don't cry. It's all right. The Frankie that can pump out hot tears. Nice. The digital circus is on an endless pilgrimage across the planet, from one great component dump to another. They scrounge for parts, build bizarre devices. They bring their wizardry to the villages and towns, set up their inflatable domes, and perform their electronic circus. What they're really up to... I got a few ideas, though. Ruby? Yeah? I found something. I return to Andor's mobile. The Frankie's lying there, stripped bare. Hmm. She sure looks human. Andor has eyes for her. I found who had her built. Here. TJ. What's that? There's more. Teru. TJ Teru? The archaeologist. Hmm. Apparently, she's his custom-made model. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. I was as big a sucker as Andor. If I could have seen the future, 
I would have cut her up and sold her for parts. The Digital Circus is setting up their inflatables for a performance tonight. That's what I've been wondering about. Yeah. Dropouts, misfits, men, women, creatures whose creative technical minds can't be held in check by the marketing demands of the safe regions. They move from one electronic component dump to another. They build strange robot animals. Sometimes they take on the locals who've built their own robots. They have wrestling matches or tests of intelligence. They teach the locals what they know. They pass on the information. Yeah. When they take on the big boys, the digital circus always loses. Yeah, on purpose. They lose, because to know your enemy is to enter into combat, gather data, and appear to be no threat by losing, then pass on the information to others. The performance begins! Classic three rings. The digital circus begins with the invocation, calling forth the blessings of their guardian spirit, Nikola Tesla. Yeah, he wanted to give free electricity to everyone. Tesla believed that energy didn't dissipate, that you can take a small amount and amplify it didn't fit the known physics of the time. It's our minds, that's the problem. The lights dim out. The crowd falls silent. Huge generators suddenly fire up. Towers take shape before our eyes. Bolts of electricity flash back and forth. Tremendous arcs of electricity crackle overhead, and there he is, Tesla himself. He's sitting there, reading a book. He's wearing soles on his shoes that look a foot thick. Bolts snap and sizzle above his head, filling the dome. He stands up, looks at the amazed audience. Free electricity for everybody! And then he goes back to his reading. Yeah. Tesla has given his blessing. You. Out there. You're the performance. I left the digital circus and headed to the nearest jump port. From there, I hopped south to bounce down on the edge of the Great Zebus, a jungle. I rented a slither truck and plowed further south through the tangled mess to the site of Professor T.J. Taru's We're uncovering dig. what we believe to be one of six ancient Nullian cities. One for each moon? We believe so. You know, according to the myths, there were once seven moons orbiting Sumanula. Yeah? What happened to the seventh? That's why they call it a miss. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to the Newlians? There's much speculation as to why an entire civilization should no longer choose to exist. You figure it was their choice? Well, that's the theory. And what's your theory? They may have evolved into some higher form, you know, no bodies. Oh, yeah? What then? Light? Sure, light. Light. Huh? You know, the whole city's been buried by this devilish vegetation. It looks like a jungle of ficus diversifolios or something like that. Uh, but the sectors originally built below the surface are relatively intact. Come on in. 
interesting. Yes, certainly. You know, we've finally broken their language code. Mm. You know, the language has puzzled us for a long time. Problem was, the scholars took it all so seriously. It was under our noses, and we never saw it. Saw so what? Well, they had a great sense of humor. They constantly joked about things. Possibly everything was a joke. They were masters of punmanship. Punmanship? <laughs> yeah, sure. It's hell trying to translate pun. You know. Try one. Well... A typical Newlyan story might begin, uh, Once upon a time in a galaxy once far... Once upon a time? That's <laughs> awful. Well, it's difficult to translate. That's my point. How old is this place? It was abandoned about 10,000 million years ago. Mm. You ever heard of the Black City? The Black City? Black City? No. Where did you hear of the Black City? Mm, friend of yours. Black City? Where did you hear of the Black City? Mm, friend of yours. Black City? Where did you hear of the Black City? Mm, friend of yours. Black City? Black City. Mm. There's a vast underground system here. We don't know the dimensions or how deep it may extend. But I assume you have reasons other than passing interest in archaeological digs. Yeah. Has to do with your Frankie, Angel Lips. Mm, I see. She was built for you, right? Yes. Yes, I desired a companion. She was custom-made to my specifications. You have good taste, Professor. Angel Lips is well-built. I'm aware of that. You had a program to program herself. You an android liberationist or what? I believe this interview is over. Look, Teru... That's enough! No, here's your hat. What's your hurry? The Slimies tried to blast out her guts. She was dressed to look like me. Now she's got the Slimies on my back. Why? I see. I see. I, I wanted someone that would, to some extent... Think for herself, not merely follow my command. Well, you got what you paid for. I beg your pardon. She left you. Yes, yes, but the truth of the matter is, that was in her program. She has her own destiny. You really are an android liberationist. That wasn't part of my specification. You never thought of sending her back to her maker? For a little fine tuning. That's not unusual. She pleaded with me not to. I, uh, I, I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I, it would mean altering her personality. I... The poor sucker had fallen in love with his own creation. Angel Lips has the ability to see what you want and to be what you want. Like, I like plastic. I like the way it feels. I like. <laughs> she I like was the way built it for a never purpose other than just your companionship. You were set up. I'm aware of that. You just let her go. I couldn't have her dismantled. You're a soft touch, Daru. Well, someone else knew too. The programmer. Yeah, when I provided my personality data, it was obvious that. And I was the fool they'd been waiting for. Oh, God knows what she's up to. Who built her? Lazar's android work. Lazar's. Well, she has a questing mind. I taught her what she wanted to know. She wanted to know everything. Everything I know. Why? Everything I know. Why? Everything I know. Why? Well, she has a questing mind. I taught her what she wanted to know. Why? She wanted to know everything. Everything I know. Why? I don't know. 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 I don't know.
Anulians had a wonderful sense of humor, Ruby. Sumanula means the high point of nothing. <laughs> Figures, they've been extinct for 10,000 years. We know that planets have an intelligence of their own. When a planet is evolving, changing, it affects everything on it. There may be other forces, Ruby. The mind creates its own model of the universe, and what we see is merely a reflection of the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that. Say, Ruby, uh, what's that you're wearing? Listen. It looks like plastic tights. Real tight. Shh, listen. I like that, you know, plastic. Listen. Plastic makes me hot. There's something in the shadows. Huh? Over there. Something in the shadows? Where? There. Don't use your blaster. The reverberations caused by that blaster will bring this city down on our heads. There it is. What a set of fangs. It's not venomous. You sure? Yeah, of course I'm sure. They're known as saber-toothed snakes. Harmless species that prey upon rodents and... Uh, ah! Robots! Laser vipers! Damn, it's after you, Taru! Oh my god, there's a second one. They're out to get you, Taru! <laughs> Thought you'd never ask. They're trying to kill me! Oh my god, they went to kill me! That's right. See? Nothing happened. The ceiling is quite in... Hmm. Huh. On second thought, you were right. Oh. It's coming down on us! Quick, Ruby, before we're buried alive in this... Okay? Taru? Professor? We knocked down a wall. There's a whole other world down in there, a subterranean city. What's that? Some black furry fellows? Impressive set of claws. Nice feet, too. Could use a manicurist. Little squinty in the eye department. Nice noses. They sure can smell me. What can I say? We all sweat. I hope you guys are root eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Ruby. Look, no roots. Soft, furry pelts. Claws that could rake Godzilla's belly open. Short snouts. Stubby antennae. A little squinty in the eye department. They surround me with curiosity. Are amazed by my lack of fur. You guys got some pretty good coat material here. Yeah. That's the problem with aliens. You can't understand what they're saying. I know, I know. I'm the alien. Yeah, well, look, 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 you guys. Professor T.J. Taru, the noted archaeologist, is buried beneath that rubble. How about digging him out? Mm, communication problem. I doubt if my translator... No, nothing here for mold. Aha! That perked up an interest. Yeah, you're pretty handy with those rakes of yours. Friends of yours, I hope. I'm amazed. I didn't know they actually existed. <laughs> I think they want us to go home with them. <laughs> the light. Let's hope so. You people are in the process of excavating the entire city. It's awesome. 
Ruby, do you understand what an extraordinary find this is? Yeah, I'm impressed. To what depths does this study extend? It's a regular anthill. I've got... Molehill, sorry. They preserved everything, even the graffiti and the street signs. Yeah, if you see an exit sign, let me know. Yeah, they certainly appear to be friendly. Let's hope they're vegetarians. They are discussing what to do with us. Yeah. Their teeth look like they're more for snipping and mashing than ripping. Well, no canines, no carnivores. Look. They've gathered around a strange apparatus. I don't like the looks of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The chief molar wants us to stick our heads in there. Is that wise? Yeah, it looks like an automatic mind translator. Well. Put together from old hair dryer parts. It may have an adverse effect on our minds. Yeah, but it may take care of my split ends. And welcome back. Special coverage of Sounds from Space with a presentation of Ruby One, The Adventures of a Galactic Gumshoe. I'm a bit of a fan of this, and I have to thank the Ramen City Kid for introducing me uh, originally. I think a lot of people have that kind of person in their life who is uh, responsible for guiding you in certain ways and, and uh, uh, through their mixtapes and mix CDs I have uh, discovered so many amazing things and and he would of course uh, put between uh, songs on tapes and uh, CDs these little Android sisters routines that I was always curious about and well it, it led me down a path that led to Ruby and we were talking a little bit about this in the chat. I think I mentioned this before. These were originally aired as like three-minute chunks. And the idea was that with the lush production of music and drum machines and effects uh, and uh, the kind of like sing-song repetitiveness to the things that Ruby says and in a couple of episodes, they just actually start repeating dialogue back and forth, almost kind of like in a musical way. Uh, the, the idea uh, was it, uh, definitely to, to do this kind of like songs in a radio theater format. Uh, and and th that was accomplished through the work of uh, the writer, uh, Fulton, uh, Meatball Fulton, uh, I should say, uh, and uh, Tim Clark, who was the uh, musical uh, kind of uh, genius behind all this. Uh, uh, yeah, Fulton did all the writing uh, from start to finish. And as I understand it, wrote them more or less in order daily kind of in the same way that we are listening to them uh, so he would wake up one day write one three minute installment and then the next day write the next one <laughs> so why i don't know exactly how the production worked as i understand it they rushed the writing and producing of the show to try to match the production style that it would be heard on the radio as well uh, and uh, also to, to motivate them to keep going uh, you know they, they, they figured that if they had to commit especially since they 
knew that these were going to be aired on NPR, uh, they figured that they would just kind of, you know, hit the ground running and go. Um, and fortunately, ZBS, uh, the, the, the production company that uh, produced all of the Ruby stories and, and many other things, uh, was has been very good about collecting these and saving these and, and, and repackaging them in ways that you can listen to them so that... Uh, if you're even a fan, maybe you might hear something you hadn't heard before. So uh, at one point, these were all kind of re-edited in a half-hour format, kind of the way that I've been doing it tonight, where I, I have this show broken up into four parts tonight um, uh, for kind of half-hour, quote-unquote, chunks. Um, uh, and, and that was definitely how it was presented. Sometimes they, people want the authentic the way it was on the analog tapes uh, sounds, that kind of thing. Uh, others, people want the kind of like remastered sound effects. And I think all of those different kinds of versions of Ruby all exist for sale uh, via the ZBS uh, website. This is a version that I uh, picked up from a radio station I was at that had it in their catalog. And I assume was the air check version that they got from uh the zbs foundation so uh th that is uh the, the provenance of, of of where uh this came from but i certainly uh, these are on youtube and they're all over the place for free uh so you can hear them nearly completely almost everywhere online um but uh uh, uh, uh you know, it's kind of nice to have a little massaging and, and whatnot I did a tiny little bit of editing only because some installments have exact verbatim dialogue repetition from the end of the previous episode at the beginning of the next one. So I snipped out all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, this is otherwise unedited. <clears throat> uh, maybe I'll talk about some of the other factoids of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things about Fulton as a person, but... Uh, we almost don't have enough time because we got to get back to the Ruby. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, um, Sheena's Jungle Room here covering for uh, Sounds from Space uh, while Mark, Mike Rogers is out. Uh, and uh, we're bringing you Ruby Gumshoe, uh, one of my favorite uh, radio uh, artifacts from the, the good old days. Now, uh, uh, where were we? Stuck down in the ancient Nulian city, the moles of Zebus insist Professor Taru and I stick our heads into what may be an automatic mind translator, but could be an old hair dryer. I don't know if this is going to be a permanent or not. You think this is going to cause some damage? Who knows? What makes a mole laugh? <laughs> well, they're insistent. All right. Lower away. Okay. Ooh. Ow. Oh. It's a tight fit, isn't it? That's not bad. Oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah, you're coming in clear. I hear you. What's your name? My name, my name is whatever you wish to call me. Mm. The professor here is fond of puns. How about Moliere? That's disgusting. You have a name for this city? Oh. Whatever you wish to call it. Uh, how about um, the molecular structure? Oh, I thought you liked moldy puns. Oh. Your friend is disturbed. I'll try to mollify oh. it. Oh. If you like, if you like, I'll answer your question. Are you the chief molar? <laughs> Can't take the punishment, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> I assume that you people are blind, huh? Not as bl blind as you, Professor Turu. 
Are they reading our minds or what? Pretty good chance. Yeah. Then why are we whispering? You got a point. We cannot read your minds, and we are not blind. We have been aware of your excavation, Professor Taru. We wish to discuss this in some detail with you. Digging up their molehill. Oh, please. <laughs> what are you guys going to do with Professor Taru? I, I believe we can come to an understanding. I certainly can. You potholed half the jungle looking for this city. You're in for it now, Taru. <laughs> Moliere, uh, why are you excavating the city? We are devoted to learning what the ancient millions knew. Your excavation methods are different than ours. We dig from the top down, you dig from the bottom up. We are aware of the destruction you have caused to our jungles. I told you. The Nulians devoted their existence to developing consciousness. We have been able to reconstruct some of their methods. You may find this interesting ruby. Hey, what about these hair dryers? No, it is portable. Oh, okay. Warn me if we're going through any short doors. You will find this most, most interesting. Yeah? Why? Um, it is a game called Cosmic Pinball. There's something going on here, Ruby. No kidding. These moles have been digging up very million cities, only digging from underneath upward. I got my eye on that one. He'd make a great coat. Very funny, Ruby. We follow the chief molar through the winding alleyways of this underground city until we enter an arena. There's an enormous transparent sphere suspended from the ceiling. It's so big. Apparently the sphere is the whole playing field, and inside it are all sorts of flashy gadgets. It's astounding. It is a recreation of the original Nulian game they refer to as Cosmic Pinball. You climb inside it to play it? No, yes, indeed. What's the purpose? Um, cosmic Pinball was a means of developing telekinesis. Telekinesis? Uh, oh, you mean bending watches with your mind. <laughs> it is not done by force or willpower. It is done by tuning the mind to another level of intelligence, or simply stated getting in tune with the object. Yeah. Our own pinball is a good example. You don't move the ball with your mind, but you get in tune with the machine to the point where it does affect the ball's movement. <laughs> Ruby, would you like to play a game? Is it dangerous? Not really. Alright. I'll play it anyway. Well, this may prove interesting. I'll explain. As you see, it is three-dimensional. You sit in a bubble capsule within the playing sphere. Here, climb in. Controls, as you can see, they operate the mobile flippers, but also controls your bubble as you maneuver around the sphere. And what keeps the ball from smacking into me? Your wits. You notice there are several different types of bumpers. The standard telescoping mushroom bumpers, the exploding pop bumpers, and the powerful bumper bumpers. Right. Mm -hmm. I strap myself into my flying bubble and hit the activate button. Lights and lasers burst forth as the first huge metallic ball, glowing like a comet three meters in diameter, comes firing out of the chute in the top of the sphere. It misses me by about a meter and careens off a bumper bumper that sends it toward a self-activating flipper that fires it right at me. I just about spin aside before it gives me a good whack, sending me ricocheting off a negative point target while the ball drops into a black hole in the floor. This could be dangerous. The second ball comes blasting out of the chute. 
I catch the thing with a mobile flipper that sends it off a random bumper and straight back at me. It smashes into me, knocking me off a bumper bumper, and we both drop down the black hole in the floor. The black hole spits me back out again, and I'm ready for the third ball. This damn ball is programmed to react to me, not just to slam randomly into bumpers and targets. I fire up the third ball, come screaming out of the chute, whacking against a floating bumper, smashing against a starlight target. I catch it with a flipper, sending it into an exploding pop bumper, and right at me again. I relax and take a hit that jars my teeth. Oh, you're fighting it, Ruby. Oh, shut up. Come on. I got to extend my intelligence throughout the whole mechanism. The bumpers, the flippers, the damn ball. Loosen up. Watch it. Ow. Oh, I'll get that ball. I drive beneath an attacking bumper in pursuit. I'm finally feeling the rhythms of this game. The randomness of the ball becoming an extension. No such thing as coincidence. All extensions. The ball finally drops down the black hole. Get away. The game is over. That was so-so. You want to try it? You may have noticed that you cannot directly affect the game. Mm. That's not the way telekinesis works. You must become it. Then you can affect it. Cosmic pinball, Ruby. Next Mm. time, Mm. Molière. We talked into the night. Except down here beneath the surface, they didn't seem to notice. I told Moliere about my being hired to find out who is manipulating media reality on this planet. The mole said something I never forgot. Mm -hmm. Who is creating false realities is unimportant. You are wasting your time and someone else's money. Mm. I don't see it that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. What is important is the counterforce. What? Counterforce? You talking about a conspiracy? Yes, a consciousness conspiracy. Care care to join? Huh? Can't you see he's joking? (laughs) (laughs) I leave Professor Taru with the moles. Goodbye, Ruby! I got a tip from Andor back at the digital circus and decided to sail to the Utopias, a lot of little islands where crackpots put into practice their views of how society ought to be run. I'd purchase a set of solar wings and catch the currents south. The air currents are at their finest this time of year. Ah, there's something about solar sailing, stretching out, being a bird. Oh, I love it. It can be a little hairy. The solar wings are like gauze. I was attacked by a huge gaffer bird once, intruding on its airspace. The thing tore my wings to shreds. I came down like gaffer droppings. I sail clear of those things. I'm sailing along when I notice a solar ship moving across the sky. It's the most beautiful solar ship I've ever seen. Its wings are like lace with puffs and fluffs for sails. He draws in the spinnaker so I can glide alongside. I can see he's an alien. Nice, delicate features. His eyes are exceptionally large. His hands are delicate, with long fingers, a high forehead. He must be an Aurorian, a culture devoted to aesthetics. A gentle, some say, decadent people. Hello there. He has a beautiful smile. I find it totally disarming. That an alien can do that to me is a little disturbing. 
Where are you headed? The Utopias. Which one? The Monarch Islands. You part of the monarchy? <laughs> Hardly. I'm not a Utopian. I'm from another solar system. I love your ship. I've never seen one like it. Can you come on board? <laughs> Why? I'd like to show you what the ship can do. All right. He sends out a line. I fold in my wings and settle down like a dragonfly in a milkweed pod. It's an exquisite ship. All fluff and down. A whole other solar technology. His long fingers take my hand. He has little sensors on the tips. My name is Monet. I'm an Aurorian. And you? Ruby. I'm just a solar floater. You're heavily armed for a solar floater. Someone's liable to mistake me for a gaffer bird. As you wish. Some tea? Sure. Where are you setting in? Casino City. Ooh, that's for high rollers out of my class. Please come as my guest. Uh, thanks for the offer. I'll pass. I'd like your company. You'll have your own quarters. I'm not trying to seduce you. That's too bad. <laughs> I like earthlings, but they make terrible lovers. What's wrong with us? They are so unrealistic. They make love to an image rather than to who is actually there. How large is your sampling? I've never made love to an earthling in my life. Oh, you read a lot, huh? <laughs> no. We Aurorians have a group mentality. Oh. What one experiences, all the others may experience. So, my sampling is fairly large. Hmm. Yeah. I'm in the cosmic connection in Casino City with a handsome and arrogant Aurorian. He's playing a game called Black Void Roulette. It's a purely mental game. The more blank your mind can become, the better you are. You can call it instinct. It's much more than that. It's dangerous. People don't always return. I decided to give it a try. This isn't your old-fashioned roulette wheel. This looks dangerous. Prepare to place your bets. The wheel begins to spin. Faster and faster, whirling in a hypnotic spin that feels as though it's going to suck my mind into the vertigo depths of the black void. I spin down, down. Alert, alert. Place your bets now. My, my fingers, fingers, slowly move to the touch controls on the table. The numbers move in a smooth rhythm. I feel a strange creation forming out of the void. One, one, the creator. The creator. Two, two, duality. Duality. Three, three, balance. Balance. Four, material. Material. Five, five, change. Change. Six, six, beauty. Beauty. Seven, seven, God. God. Eight, eight, fate. Fate. Nine. Nine. Wisdom. Wisdom. Numbers are expressions of what is invisible. There is a higher intelligence embedded in numbers. They create. But the game has its own direction. I feel it moving away from me. The reality I've created is rejected. It doesn't match the void's reality. I spin out. 
The trick to this game is to separate fantasy from reality and figure the odds. You Earthlings never have been very good at this. Well, fantasy is our reality, so what do you expect? That's the point. You... Slimies. Biogenetically engineered assassins out mind-sweeping. Can you tell who they are? Two are cats, a ginger and a freddy. The ginger is wearing a sequined emerald green evening gown, playing the holosphere. On the other side is the Freddy. He's playing death to taxes. A Freddy? The cat, dressed to look like Fred Astaire in a tuxedo top hat and real tail. Are they after you? Could be. Slimies are a lower life form, far as I'm concerned, whenever I can. I kill them. Monet and I decide we'd better get out of the casino. Shall we walk through the park? Okay. Tell me about your planet. I hear it's a high culture about to collapse from the decadence of its idle rich. We live for aesthetics. What else is there to live for? Don't give me this life is art stuff. Earthlings are the most ignorant race of intelligent creatures in the universe. Ah. Probably. What is politics without aesthetics? <laughs> An empty existence How just did you guys get so rich? Rob a banking planet? No. <laughs> we simply, except it wasn't simple, got our act together, as you say. How? You see, Ruby, about 200 years ago, Aurora entered the age of cybernetics. Cybernetics created the freedom for us to think. As computers evolved, our minds evolved. We value intelligence, something you Earthlings don't seem oh, to have quit any... quit knocking humans. I'm sick of it. Everyone in this damn galaxy likes to poke fun at us, so we're stupid. But we're trying, okay? Okay. Well, we also made mistakes. No, really? We didn't foresee the massive unemployment computer minds would create. Also, we thought unemployment was a disease that needed to be cured. So we agreed to slow down total computerization. But eventually we realized that unemployment is not a disease, is not something to be cured by creating employment. Why not? Because most employment was totally meaningless work. It was work that could be done better by computers. It was work that no one was happy doing. It was meaningless, a waste of potential, no one enjoyed it. It was working for a wage and having to have a job to survive. It was wage slavery, a highly unenlightened way to run a planet. So you figured out another way? Yes. You see, creating more meaningless work was not the cure. Unemployment was the cure. So we devised a better system. Oh. We... Something's wrong. Yeah. We're being tailed. Where? Thoughts. Yes, I feel it. Slimacons? They after you? I don't know why. They're triangulating again. Yeah, there's one. Across the park. Same as in the casino. There's the other. The woman beneath the hubba hubba tree. I don't see the third one. Uh-oh. Feel that? They're weaving the net. They're gonna drop it. This is unpleasant. If I can get one, I'll break their net before they hit. Get ready to run. You're going to kill them? I usually do. Ready? Now! The slime is hit. I open fire. Hmm. Wounded it bad enough for the self-detonator to go off. A pleasant sound, exploding slimies. Anyway, we dive inside a hunk of art. It's made out of a pretty good synthetic, but their blasters are chipping away chunks. I don't think the sculptor's going to be too happy about this. I would think not. The other two can't get to us until they gnaw away our fortress. What was I saying? Before they hit us? Oh, yes. When we could no longer hold back computerization, we devised a system where everyone owns shares in the planet and receives dividends. Oh, yeah? Missed. What about all those people that don't... 
know what to do with their lives. Ha. You know, um, get bored, cause problems. That is the main objection to a workless society. Yeah, I know. Ha! It meant training people how to think. In fact, we encourage people to invent machines that can replace them. Oh. New Earthlings fail to realize that art and life is the same. Yeah. Politics without aesthetics is unthinkable. New aliens believe we are all artists. Mm -hmm. All we do is think creatively. New Earthlings oh, are... Oh, damn. New Earthlings and your work ethic forcing people to be consumers. Such fools. Mm. The profit motive has caused you to consume your whole planet almost. Yeah. individual, huh? Ah! Hear that? I got her. Hmm. She exploded. Our system does not limit the individual. Our system allows individuals to realize their creative potential. Mm -hmm. Once a... Society realizes the wage slavery is not the answer, unemployment is not a disease, it is a cure, then mental evolution is possible. Mm -hmm. The mind is the planet's most important resource. If... Grief. What are you using now? Bozo bombs. Hmm. Anyway, since you are ah, caught here he is. Mr. I thought I hit him. I'll say this once more. Ah! That was him. Employment is not a disease, it is a cure. Ah, well. Sounds good. My name is Angel. My name is Angel. We are the Android Sisters. Last night, I had a digital dream. Last night, I had a digital dream. Someone's lips kept smiling, smiling. The lips said, use this. It makes me happy. It will make you happy. You are miserable. Smiling, this is what you need. It will make you happy. Smiling, happy like me. Happiness is what we all want. I said, lips, I don't need this. Use this. I don't want this. This will make you happy. She needs some adjusting. They reach in with a long screwdriver. All the time, smiling, smiling. The tip slips down into my memory. We are not human. We are the android sisters. We know we are robots. Are you human? Do you think you are human? Are you a robot that thinks it is human? Did they hypnotize you? Did they lobotomize you? Do you still think you are human? I am a robot. And you are a human. What's the difference since we both are... <gasps> Sorry. The tip of the screwdriver touches and turns slowly. 
but I know I am okay. Save yourself. Save your. I know I am. I know I. I know. I know. Digital dream. <laughs> Lips kept smiling, smiling. It made me happy. Are you happy? <laughs> We are happy. We are the Android sisters. We think you have gotten the point. It's early morning. I'm sitting in a snack bar on the beach. The pink ocean is rolling up in lazy laps against the magenta sands. The sky is rose-colored. The sun is starting to rise. I'm feeling blue. I dial up a souffle with some fresh-sautéed sea monsters. Mmm. Sucking on a tentacle. I remember the tuca and decide to give my answering service a call. Mmm. A holo reads out a creature with four tentacles, three eyes, a thin blue mustache, and wearing a red fez. Ruby, I would like to meet with you on code X minus one. Have your machine contact my machine to arrange for possible dates and times. Code X minus one. I dial up the tuca. His image reappears. This time wearing a smoking jacket with one tentacle wrapped around a cigar. Sorry, I am not at home right now. But if you leave a message, I will get back to you as soon as I can. Listen, Tuca, this is Ruby. Let's get together on the eighth. Let's say twenty-seven hundred hours, Nula Central. Yeah, Monet, the Aurorian. Right now, he's watching the sunrise. The four moons up there are fading out. He doesn't notice my trying to say goodbye. I have the impression he's conferring with his kind back home, group mind, you know. He's handsome. I wonder what kind of a lover he'd make. I don't have the time to find out. You think the present is moving fast? Where do you see the future? Ah. I give him a kiss and leave. Take the lift to the top of the hotel. Strap on my solar wings. Let the breeze unfold them and catch the early morning currents. I rise up and away from the casino city. The utopias, an archipelago of islands inhabited by crackpots and cults, mystics, futurists, doomsayers—you name it. Any utopia you can think of, just about. There's someone there trying it out. I relax. Oh God, I love to fly. There's something about solar sailing that just turns me on. Hmm. Yeah. Andor told me about two techies from the digital circus that used to work for the multi-galactic media networks, but had gotten out and were now sunning themselves on the Orgone Islands. They were two techno witches by the names of Anofon and Offonoff. 
I wander along the beach. The pink ocean is rolling up on the magenta sands. The sky is amber. I'm feeling pretty rosy. My name is Ruby. I'm a galactic gumshoe. A good one. I locate the two techies on the beach. They're fooling around with some sort of gadget sitting on tripods. My name's Ruby. Andor said you could help me. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, who is who here? I am Onofon. I am Ofanof. Uh-huh. What is this thing? A measuring device. Oh, uh, so what are you measuring? This island is inhabited by shamans and sorcerers. They have ways of tapping into certain powers, energy sources. We are trying to measure the powers of this energy. Huh? It's conjuring, summoning forth, bringing it into being. We are trying to measure this. Run that by me again. Words, for example, exist as energy. The essence of their meanings is often lost. We use words and we conjure forth things in our life that we wonder how it ever got there. We constantly conjure without being aware. Words are magic. They bring forth physical reality. A sorcerer can weave a spell and summon forth with words. They know the true meaning, the essence. We use words and cause spells all of the time without knowing what we are doing. Yeah, okay. You asked. We told you. Uh, What do you want? I'm trying to find out who's manipulating the media on this planet. (laughs) Andor said you found something. Found what? A conspiracy to manipulate the media. (laughs) Funny. Uh, There are always conspiracies. Perhaps you are part of one. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You ladies have been a wonderful help. Anytime, Ruby. Yeah. Bye-bye. Techno witches, huh? They're hiding something. And tonight when it's dark, I'm going to find out what it is. Bye-bye. They were hiding something. Something on the main island. It wasn't a very large island. Hardly more than a dead volcano sticking up out of the sea. It's a relatively moonless night. Not easy to find on a planet with six moons. Mm, I snap on my night eyes to guide me through the dark. I feel safe in the night. I know how to move silently. The night protects me. Even when I was a kid, when nighttime came, I always felt safe. Maybe that's why I got into this gumshoe business, make a career out of moving silently. What is it? I descended before... (laughs) Sounds big. If that's their watchdog, I'm in trouble. Whatever it is, it's charging. That's what I'm doing. If I can get across the clearing. Oh, God, look at the size of it. I set my blaster to stun. That doesn't stop it. I set to demolish and let loose. Oh, 
hope you weren't an endangered species. Yeah, well. Wait a minute. This thing's a robot. Really? My, my. Very funny. Funny. Nuts. <sighs> so, I pick up the trail again and follow it to a well-disguised entrance into the side of the volcano. I move silently. Volcano, it's hollow. It may not even be real. I'm... What? Oh, damn! Caught in a force field. Oh, I'm stuck. We've got you now, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby's in trouble. Yeah, you know, I think if you've been listening this far and you've been kind of following along, I think you kind of already are, are reaching the conclusion that I did long ago that the, the story of Ruby is kind of less the main feature as is the atmospheric dreamy quality of just kind of going along with the noir sci-fi vibe and uh yeah i i i i hope i hope you're getting what i'm getting from it and and enjoying it as as much as i do this is a ruby gumshoe here on uh sounds from space covering for mike rogers while uh mike is uh incommunicado uh and unable to broadcast and hopefully I will get to actually do a second installment of this because uh, we are not going to get to complete uh, the Ruby Gumshoe, at least the Ruby One storyline. Now, uh, <laughs> as we were mentioning before, these were broadcast in like three-minute chunks, one scene at a time, uh, a daily on NPR and affiliate stations. Uh, as they say on the website, 23 different countries and hundreds of different stations carried this. And, and the main reason they could is that they were able to get a big grant that allowed them to make and then send and ship LPs of the Ruby storylines to radio stations. And so because they were able to do this essentially for free, and since NPR was always hard up for programming in those days, it was an easy ask to just say, hey, uh, ZBS, why don't you send us uh, one of those Ruby sets and we'll air those. And, and, I mean, lots of other stations, not just NPR, uh, ran it. So it was certainly uh, a, a, a phenomenon. And, in fact, um, it won awards. Uh, this is a, notably one of the first pieces of cyberpunk media that was produced. Uh, to give you an example, uh, the first cyberpunk novel wasn't written until 1984. <laughs> a lot of short stories had been written before that, Uh the uh, very first cyberpunk film, quote unquote, uh, Escape from New York, had uh, come out a year before Ruby, uh, but they were essentially in production at the same time. 
Uh, and the this is actually not the very first Ruby story. As uh, Fulton likes to talk about, there were uh, Ruby uh, experiments having been done for years beforehand while they were working on the Jack Flanders series, uh, a show that's about an adventuring archaeologist who happens to stumble upon some crystal skulls. I kid you not. <laughs> there was a lawsuit and everything. Uh, it turns out uh, Indiana Jones ripped off a lot from Jack Flanders uh, in that uh, Crystal Skull movie. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a different story. We're here for Ruby, not that. Uh, like I said, Ruby won awards uh, for sound mixing, for sound production, music, uh, dialogue, and, and rightfully so. Uh, uh, Laura Esterman uh, plays uh, Ruby. Um, you uh, may actually uh, uh, recognize her uh, from a lot of her uh, film and uh, television work and whatnot. Um, was there, was there something very interesting that she had been in recently. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> way back when, she was in uh, the Doors movie and uh, Adam's Family Values and uh, things like that. Um, Got her start in, uh, um, in um, acting in 1970 and has been in a bunch of things. Oh, The Blacklist. That's right. Uh, she's in The Blacklist recently. Um, and uh, in an episode of Law and Order, although it looks like several Law and Orders now that I, I look at this. So uh, no stranger to acting. But I think the thing that Laura Esterman is known for in this day and age is the uh, Ruby Gumshoe character. Um and, and, and they've been in a bunch of other things since then, too, uh, radio-wise. And I think they had even been in some of the Jack Flanders productions. But uh, this was certainly a phenomenon unto itself. And so uh, they have become closely uh, associated with the character and, and the show. Um, and then uh, um, Bill Raymond plays uh, TJ Taru. Uh, in uh, the, this series, uh, a, a kind of supporting character in the Ruby Gumshoe uh, world. Although later, True does get their own stories and 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 and, and series and episodes after this series. Um, but uh, T.J. True, uh, Bill, Bill Raymond, uh, most uh, notably known as the Greek on the Wire. For any Wire fans out there who watched season two and know who the Greek is, that's the same actor. Although, I mean, Bill Raymond has been in a million things, so to, to limit him to just being the Greek on The Wire is kind of a short-selling his career. Uh, I mean, like, he's been in uh, TV and movies, uh, just all over the place. Like, he, he's definitely an actor who's uh, seen some action, could probably tell some stories, too. Uh, but um, certainly, uh, because of uh, their association with ZBS, um, usually comes back to do a voice for whatever production is uh, coming around. And in fact, uh, the ZBS Foundation produced an audio version of the Dinotopia series of books, and actor Bill Raymond is a performer in that series. Uh, while we're talking about that kind of stuff, since we're talking about the main people, Tim Clark, I forgot to mention, uh, that he is a uh, Hearts of Space electronic music composer. If that phrase means anything to you out there, you know what I'm talking about, Hearts of Space. Uh, and so uh, this, while adjacent to the kind of music that he did just kind of 
as a, a performer uh, is, is a little bit different in a lot of ways. Uh, and in fact, the electronic music that Tim Clark makes for Ruby Gumshoe is is really kind of its own beast that um, is is not really music, but it's it's not really soundtrack music either. It, it interacts too closely with the story. Um, it's definitely something very unique and wonderful on its own. And I feel weird about having edited it slightly to try to cram more of it together because as it is, our show is already going to go over because I want to get to the entire first two-hour chunk of the Ruby story before um, we call it a night. Uh, so we got two more segments to go uh, before we'll, we'll close up shop. And then I'm going to have to come back for another two hours to wrap up the, the Ruby story at some point. I'll talk with uh, Mike Rogers and maybe we can work out when that, that would be. I'll tell you some more Fulton stories at the next break. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, let's get back into some uh, Ruby Galactic Gumshoe. Uh, uh, I mean, this went on for years and years. They're still making Ruby Gumshoe. There was a series that came out this year, <laughs> uh, Ruby 11. Uh, so uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll return to Ruby from time to time. Certainly, I, I, I do find uh, uh, Laura's uh, voice uh, wonderful to listen to. Uh, and so uh, I wouldn't mind running some more ruby it's a uh, sounds from space slash mid valley mutations slash ruby the galactic gumshoe here on sheena's jungle room uh a confusing uh, sort of situation but you know uh that's okay because uh it all comes down to being entertaining audio for you and me okay uh, i'll see you on the other side of this uh enjoy Here I am, stuck in a force field, deep down inside a hollow volcano. We've got you now, Ruby. <laughs> Very funny. The two techno-witches, Anofan and Ofana, are getting their yucks off. Hey, how about turning off your force field, huh? <laughs> well, it's not easy being a stand-up comic in outer space. We have to ask you to disarm. Slowly. Very slowly. Sure, no problem. First, on your right hip, your Smith Itachi Godzilla blaster. Right. That's fine. Under your left arm, the arm pitilinger laser. Right. Your right thigh, the explosive blastoids. Right. Fine. Your right ankle, the stun gasser. Right. Left thigh, sonic immobilizer. Right. Left arm, hominger dagger. Right. Right leg, foldable boomer bolo. Right. Left wrist, the heat-seeking ditto darts. Right. The toe grenades. Right. We have to check our teeth. Uh-uh. 
I feel naked. Who hired you? A Kapoorian. Who's behind him? I'm trying to find out. What do you want? I told you. I'm trying to find out who's manipulating the media on this planet. There is a conspiracy going on and you know about it. You're the ones that told me there isn't a conspiracy. Did we tell her that? Yes, on Monday. Will you cut this force field? It's loosening my teeth. All right. Come on up, Evil. Ah, oh. oh, phew. They dim the spots. I ride the spiral up. By the looks of things, they padded the shell of this volcano with some pinkish, absorbent, weird stuff. I don't know what they're up to, but I'll try to find out for you. So, what's this uh, volcano supposed to be? A collector. Okay, what's it collect? It is a um, measuring device. For measuring what? Energy. Intelligence. Which is it? Energy is intelligence. Okay, so what's your volcano do? Measure the cosmic IQ? That's close. Huh. Well, how about a deal? What deal? A simple exchange of information. Possibly. There's something going on in the great Zebus. Professor T.J. Teru and the moles of Zebus have been digging up an ancient Sumanulian city. One of the more interesting things they've discovered are games that supposedly expand the mind. The moles are getting these games working again. What are these games? Oh, I played one called Cosmic Pinball, a way of developing telekinesis. The moles didn't tell me, but I know they found others down there. That is very interesting. Yeah, Moliere, the chief moler, mentioned a conspiracy. Calls it a consciousness conspiracy. It's a corny phrase. He said it was a joke. Some joke. This we may use. Yes. We may be headed in opposite directions, but I got the feeling we'll end up at the same place. So? There is energy in the air. It is intelligence. Anyone can receive it. Yeah, if you have your own volcano. Oh, you can receive it with your mind. The mind must be tuned to the right frequency. And this thing here can measure it? Yes, of course. Where's the energy coming from? We don't know. But it's increasing. How is it being transmitted? We don't know. But we know how to increase it. How? If we can get our hands on the media, we can amplify it. And why would you want to do that? We have our reasons. Uh. <laughs> I had an appointment with the Tuca in Kismet, a nomadic city. The whole thing just picks up and moves. The buildings are all inflatables, different sizes, colors, shapes. Inflatable bubbles, balls, cubes, heads even, with the face of the creature who lives inside. Inflatable towers, minarets, eyeballs, lips that flash eats. I found the Tuca in a bar called The Thick Lip. His fat body was perched on a stool. Two of his tentacles were dangling down. Another was propped up on the inflatable bar wrapped around a drink. The fourth tentacle was wrapped around a Frankie. 
created out of plastic flesh and circuits and programmed for pleasure. Above his main orifice was a thin blue mustache. On his head was a red fez. His three eyes looked a little glazed. The tentacles hanging down to the floor were wiggling, either in drunken ecstasy or searching for peanuts. <laughs> Ruby, you are a little late, and I am a little drunk. I'll try to catch up. <laughs> good, good. Hey, Bardroid, over here. Waddle it be. A cliffhanger. Make it a double. Have you seen the Kapurian? Buy the Tuka a drink. Uh, thank you, Ruby. Another laser blade. I'm seeing the rodent tomorrow. Buy the Frankie a drink. The Kapurian cannot be trusted. Oh, you just figured that out? Buy the bar. Get out of here, you little squeak. Somebody ought to pour some oil on that thing. Buy me a drink. Buzz off. May I touch you, Ruby? Be my guest. You have an exquisite neck. Such necks are rare among humanoids. Rare. 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 I had the sensation his voice wasn't coming out of his orifice, but through the suction cups of his three-fingered tentacle. It was like a dozen little mouths humming on my neck. I know you have no morals, Ruby. Neither do I. (laughs) You know of the consciousness conspiracy? If we share our information, the galactic networks will pay beyond belief. (laughs) Think about it, Ruby. Tuka removed his tentacle and went back to getting drunk. The nocturnal creatures wandered in. The bar expanded. I swallowed my drink and ordered another. And I thought about it. I met with the little rat face known as Rodent Kapoor. Rodent, not Rodent. Yeah, yeah. He's the creature that hired me to find out who's manipulating the media of this planet. We met in an out-of-the-way place known as Millie's Milky Way, a milk bar that serves milks from all sorts of extraterrestrial mammals. Millie had a chain of these things across the solar system, was hoping to go galactic. Just another health fad, but what the hell. Kapoor was waiting in a private booth. I slid in, ordered a Devil Lynx double, supposed to restore color to your cheeks. I forgot to ask what color are which cheeks. Yeah. That's vile. You have something to report? Mm. Who hired you, Kapoor? I cannot tell you. Well, when you can tell me, I'll tell you what I know. That is not in the terms of our agreement. Someone is monitoring me. I think it's you. Ha ha. Ha ha, you're a rotten bluffer, Kapoor. I am a member of a group that wishes to see freedom of ideas. Mm, Little rat-like ideas. You ever hear of the Black City? Or the Black Star? The Black Star? In what reference? Hmm, just something I came across. Where? A Frankie. An android? How would she know about the Black Star? What do you know about it? I have never heard of it. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it does. Who built her? Lazar's Android Works. But who did her program is company confidential. Find out. I traced down the guy she was built for. Professor T.J. Taru, a digger. The world-famous archaeologist. Yeah, he's digging up the great Zebu's jungle looking for buried Nulian cities. I don't see the connection. Neither do I. What else? 
two techno-witches, Ofanov and Anofan. Some energy sources they're trying to measure. <laughs> What's that? They're picking up readings coming from somewhere. Where? Who knows? They're not using conventional media. What? Telepathy? I don't know, no. Who's sending? Extraterrestrials? Get off it. We're all extraterrestrials on this planet. What is it? I don't know. It's in the air. You don't know what it is? How did they receive it? The mind. What's that mean? To receive it, you have to be tuned to the right channel. Which channel? Some mental channel. Those techno-witches would say something like that. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the update. Everything? Absolutely. We'll keep in touch. Yeah, of course. And now it's time for Frank Talk with a Frankie. This is Angel. This is Angel. We are the Android Sisters. What is your question? All of reality exists in our minds. Is that true? What is your intelligence rating? I'm classified as a 5.5555. You understand we only speak to you on the level that you can comprehend. I appreciate that. For those of you watching out there, adjust your IT rating to 5.5555. What is your question? I already asked it. What is your question? I said I already asked it. What is your question? What is your question? All right, I want to know if reality is in my mind or is it out there? I mean, what if it's all in my mind? I mean, change my mind, I could change reality. Right. Wrong. What? I'm confused. Dear Confused, briefly, reality is merely what everyone agrees is real. What everyone agrees is not real does not exist. Who programmed you? Who programmed you? How should I know? Everyone, I don't know. I'm still confused. Dear Still Confused, you are confusing the symbol for reality. Money is a good example. Money. What about money? I like money. Money, money. I will use two pieces of paper as an example. Can you see this? I see one piece of paper, the other's money. Two pieces of paper. What? Here are two pieces of paper, both the same size, both just paper. paper. Humans are obsessed with money. Not all humans, just some of us. Most of us. One piece of paper is worth 500 solar credits. The other is worthless, not even worth a solar centavo. Do you know why? Sure, one is a piece of money and the other is a piece of paper. They are both paper. Yeah, right. One has been blessed by the treasury wizards. The other has not. That's it? The symbol is controlling your mind. Mm, I see. Oh, our time is up. This is Angel. This is Angel. We are the Android Sisters. Until next time. I located the digital circus at one of the large component garbage dumps. They were burrowing about through the piles of discarded electronic stuff, creating some pretty bizarre devices. I'm still not sure what these techies are up to. I found Andor sitting under a hubba hubba tree looking nice and gloomy. Where's the Frankie? Angel Lips? Who else? She's gone. 
walked off on her shapely plastic legs. That's right. I take it you got her running again. She's running fine. You didn't fall in love with her. Sort of. You fell in love with an android. She understood me. A high-tech bunny. She was everything I ever wanted. She has more success with men than I have. You're disgusting, Andor. I know. Where is she now? Quapa. What's wrong? Quapa. You got something stuck in your throat? Quapa, uh, a mining town in the northern quadrant. Oh. What's she doing in there? Quapa. She's... She's a... Oh, a droid hooker. Wow. <laughs> she's cute. She ought to do okay with all those horny miners. Why do you want to know? I want to see her. Why? You know why. She was dressed up like me when the Slimies blasted her. They tried to hit me a second time in Casino City. We got a case of mistaken identity here. I want to find out what she knows. Are you in pain or something? I'm all right. You look wonderful. Did she say anything more about the Black Star? I don't think so. Well, give it some thought, huh? She didn't. Well, I'm going to talk to her. Anything you want me to tell her? I hurt. You want me to tell her that? No. Tell her... Oh, nothing. Listen, Andor. There'll be other Frankies. <sighs> Not like angel lips. Mm. You want me to cripple her for you? No. Okay. I found Quapaw, the mining town where the Frankie was last seen. It's a rough place, filled with miners from the macho planets. Bleep holes, we call them. Not a place for a nice lady like me. I knew as soon as I entered, they'd be crawling all over themselves to get to me. The place was filled with android hookers, so I did a few changes and passed myself off as another Frankie. There were the usual paws, giving a feel as I passed, but nothing like it would have been if they knew it was live flesh. Angel Lips was sitting at a table, entertaining some hairy bleephole. His Cretan forehead scrunched up as he leered at me. She saw me and stood up. Hello, Ruby. Nice to see you on your android legs again. Endor was responding. Yeah, I got a couple of questions. Have a seat. I would rather stand. For a Frankie, you're a pretty free spirit. That is right, honey. You brought the slimies on my back. Why were you dressed like me? What did you do? You will not believe me if I tell you. If you don't tell me, Andor will not find enough pieces to put you back together. Hey, you two Frankies doing what? I admired you, Ruby. That is why I dressed like you. How the hell can you tell if an android is telling the truth? Well, don't do it again, what or it's... You Frankies, huh? What did you do to get the slimy stirred up? I cannot tell you. Hey, I want some attention, Camille. Who is this thing? My sweetheart. Oh, Bess. The planet League provides some of the roughest, toughest miners in the galaxy. They spend much of their life in holes in various planets. They're a pretty orderly bunch. I 
paid for this plastic broad. Back off, Gleepaw. You're a real human at last. Oh, sit down. You want a good slot? I wouldn't down. recommend it. <laughs> you won't be the first female humanoid I've decked. Okay, Bleepole. Give me your best one. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> that was not smart. That embarrassed me in front of my friends. No broad does that to me, and I mean none. I don't care if she's an earthling, a feline, a Frankie, a lizardoid, you name it, non-zero. Now I'm gonna teach you some manners, you know? <laughs> He takes a swing and I flip him across a couple of tables. He lands on his back, feels he's been insulted. He makes the mistake of getting back up. You insult me in front of my friends. So now you learn about some manners. That was what we call fatal dumbness. Real I can see his hand moving for his blaster. I don't like the idea of a blast out in a crowded bar, but his manhood's been insulted. We have a problem here. I'm telling you, don't go for it. Consider yourself eliminated. He's pretty fast, but how can he know that I can slow time? I watch as his hand arcs down, presses open the holster seal, and out slides a general dynamic stub-nosed blaster. In one smooth motion, he has it up and... I take his arm off before he can squeeze it, but that doesn't stop him. His detached arm spins around and still takes a shot at me. I leap over and stand on the wrist and pry the damn blaster out of his webbed paw. I kick the blaster out the door into the street, then I kick his arm out the door. Look, Bleepole, you want the portameds to stick that arm of yours back on? Explain to your friends to step aside. Tension is terrific. The machos are growling. They want earthling blood. Nice red stuff, not that green stuff that's squirting out of his shoulder. The bleepo's looking a little weak. Still pretty ticked. I've insulted his manhood. He's taken a loss of face, not to mention one arm. Here, use this. It'll stop the flow so you don't spurt to death. Now tell the other bleepo's to back off. Yeah, yeah, do, do as she says. Come on, Angel Lips. We got some talking to do. I'm staying here. I'm telling you, you got three seconds to decide. Then I'll cut you into scrap iron. One, two. Okay, okay. I hate these bleak holes. Okay, come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I can see how men are suckers for you. You give them what they think they want. I make them work for it, Ruby. I am a game. They have to figure out the right moves. What turns me on? What turns me off? Who programmed you? Oh, I cannot tell you, even if I wanted to. Yeah. I could snap off all your limbs. You still wouldn't talk. You're a tough sweetie. Nice lines, but not that sexy. Oh. I sense what they want, and I become it. You will not even do that. That's right. I work on my own terms. Yeah. You cannot even compete with an android. <laughs> I left her lying in the mud in Quawpaw, the mining burg. I figured the locals would cut her up for parts. I was wrong. That Frankie's got a lot of lives. Too many. I check in with my answering service. Ruby, come quickly. I found an important discovery. Mm. Oh, uh, this is Teru. Look, I'm down here with the moles of Zebu. Now, mm-hmm. if you come now, you can still catch the 
annual festival of the mole. Huh? Uh, this is one that I'm certain you won't want to miss. No, there's something very interesting going on down here, Ruby. Hmm. I catch the night flight to the great Zebus, rent a slither track, and plow my way to the site of Professor Teru's dig. Teru may not be the best archaeologist in the solar system, but he's the best known. He knows how to promote himself. Ruby, it's all in the interest of science. Now, I admit I have to maintain a somewhat conspicuous profile, yeah, spread yeah. my reputation. Yeah, yeah, Look, sure. Look, academia is a dog-eat-dog world. Ruby, I take a bite of you, you take a bite of me. There are times it just makes me want to spit. I notice he got a limp. What happened to Rue? I'll tell you about it sometime. Well, let's face it, Ruby. Archaeology will not survive unless it's entertainment. Damn bats. Say, uh, did you see my rock group of Teru and the artifacts? Your rock group? Well, yeah, you know, archaeology and Yeah, artifacts. yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, well... Uh, Hey, I thought it wasn't safe to do that down here. Yeah, well, we reinforced the roof, and there's not much of a chance of... Hmm. I think we better run, Taru. Uh, I don't know if that... Uh-oh! 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 Taru! Hey, Taru! Hey! Oh. So anyway, as I was saying, um... Oh, yeah. Shh, 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 shh. What's going on up there? Well, you know, it's the Festival of the Moles. Oh, sounds lively. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they come burrowing in from all over the planet. It's quite a loud event. Sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you gotta watch out for those drunken moles. They stagger around a lot of... crash a lot of things and... Mm, Oh, yeah, I'll watch myself. Yeah, their liquor is made out of some pretty strange strains of distilled grub. It's black as ink. Grow a horn on your head. Grow fur on your knees. It's potent. It's very potent. Mm-hmm. Does that have anything to do with your limp? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I was dancing with this big drunken mole. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you want to hear about that. Then. Yeah. Well, uh, you don't want to tangle with those moles. Professor Teru and I are down and beneath the... moles the... of Zebu. Right. And the moles... Are down beneath the Zebu's jungle, inside an ancient Nulian city they've been uncovering. The mole people, the best archaeologists on the planet, are having a festival. Annual festival of moles! It's quite a sight. Yeah, it's an extraordinary sight, watching these moles do the tango. It's amazing how graceful they it's are. It's truly amazing how graceful they are. These big furry bodies gliding so gracefully across the ballroom floor. Yeah, isn't that Moliere? Oh, yeah, Moliere! Hey, come on over here! Hey, parlez-vous, Moliere! Ruby, how nice you could attend our festival. I wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) May I introduce my partner? She is a female, in case you cannot distinguish the difference. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of things. Does she have a name? Uh, Whatever you wish to call her. Oh. Oh, okay. How about, uh, Moline? Moline! (laughs) She likes Moline. Oh, good, good. Moline! Moline looks a little, uh, thin for a mole. I don't like the drift of this. Mm, I I took her to the doctor. Really? A mole doctor? Mm Mm-hmm. At first, he thought she had (laughs) malaria. Malaria? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awful. A mistake like that, you should have cited him for mole practice. Mole practice. Give me a break. Not funny, Ruby. Not funny at all. It was not we're just being a little molicious. Okay, come on back, Taru. No more punishment. Is this, is this another setup? <laughs> no, no, we promise. No more. All right. What about you, Ruby? Oh, I promise. Mm-hmm. All right. But one more pun, and that's it. Would you like to dance, Ruby? I don't know. Taru told me not to tangle with these moles. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> you told me that one. I did? Oh, yeah, so I did. Yeah. It's funny. It's good. Uh, Ruby, we have uncovered another ancient Nulian game. Yeah, maybe you would like to play it, Ruby. Sure. Is it dangerous? Oh, yes. Oh, really? Hmm. What's this game called? It is called Fourth Dimension Surfing. Fourth Dimension Surfing. Well, Taru, looks like you've been getting on just fine with the mole people. Yes, yes, they're fine creatures, sensitive, gentle. Earthy. Yep, that too, yep. <laughs> They've devoted their lives to the enlightenment of their mole minds. Mm-hmm. Their thinking process is different than ours, and still... We have a common ground to stand on. Yeah, or dig in. Yes. Yeah. We have made Professor Taru an honorary mole. That's quite an honor. Thank you. Uh, tell me, Moliere, mm-hmm. what is this game I'm about to play? Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth dimension surfing is a means of developing one's mm-hmm. extraordinary abilities. What is it? A variation on cosmic pinball? Oh, no, no. It is a means of developing teleportation. Teleportation? Teleportation. You mean disappearing in one spot and then reappearing in another? Instantaneously. That's pretty fast. Anyone uh, played this before? We have had some success. Really? Uh, Here we are. We enter a large arena. The moles are climbing over each other to get to the best seats. The best seats appear to be the ones furthest from the playing area. I'm beginning to wonder about this game. Uh, the playing area has moving asteroids, mm, attack drones, mm, and other surprises. You stand over here on the primary disc. At your fingertips are the controls. I ride through the air on this disc? Mm, you ride on magnetic waves. It looks like three-dimensional surfing to me. Once I activate the field, there is no turning it off until the game itself decides it is over. Oh, yeah? Still have time to change your mind, Ruby. Oh, shut up, Taru. Hit it, Moliere. The playing field ignites. I'm suddenly swept up in a magnetic wave that almost flips me on my head. Huge glowing asteroids appear, slowly whirling around the field. Suddenly there's the attack drones coming in from all directions. What is that, Ruby? They're firing real lasers at me! Get out of the way! Ow! Oh, my protective shield saves me that time! I duck behind an asteroid and slingshot around to blast an oncoming attack drone. Pieces spray out in all directions. I'm getting the feel of this magnetic surfing. I flip down and around, and underneath the belly of a fat drone, I let him have it. Yeah. 
<laughs> this is my kind of game. I love exploding things. Another is coming at me from above. I slip aside, but it gets a chunk of my shield. Something's wrong. I'm losing my power. Oh, my shield is weakening. Ow! Oh! You singed hair. Oh, it's mine. They're getting through. The drones have regrouped. They're coming in for the kill. I'm losing power. I can't get out of here. That mole wants me killed. in danger. Oh no! Will she be safe? We'll find out in our next section here. But I'm not going to leave you hanging that badly. Although, uh, we do end on a cliffhanger. But I think I'm going to be able to fit in one more installment of this uh, somewhere else and we'll, we'll can hear the conclusion of Ruby 1 at that point. I don't know how long uh, Mike Rogers is out, so it'll either be next week covering for Mike Rogers or another time covering for Mike Rogers because I, I feel like I've already had to do that at least one other time recently. So uh, it's possible it'll pop up again soon. But uh, certainly you can find Ruby uh, all over the internet for free and for sale. Uh, uh, the interesting thing about the ZBS Foundation is that they give a lot of their stuff away for free and they also sell it. Uh, kind of hoping that uh, uh, the the reputation alone will help convince people to start uh, uh, sending them some money. And they have a lot of subscription options and, and, and whatnot. Uh, I mean, Fulton is now in his 80s, um, I, I believe, so he's been doing uh, radio for a very long time. Uh, and it's mostly the generosity of, of other people that uh, keeps uh, the ZBS Foundation and essentially Fulton and, and his crew afloat so uh, if you like this at all maybe kick them a few bucks it's 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 some entertaining radio it's it's some fun stuff uh like i said this is just the first installment of ruby there's a lot more out there and in fact this is not actually the beginning of ruby ruby uh was originally being kind of assembled and uh considered in the late 70s while um fulton would take breaks from his uh jack flanders series between segments and installments of that, he would usually uh, kind of script out a, a kind of short story of some kind in, in a radio format. And, and, and of course, he lived at this radio commune with some other folks. And uh, if uh, he could get all the folks together, he'd be, try to make something. Uh, often uh, something a little bit short to fill the, uh, his like need to make something, but to try to scratch a different kind of itch than what he was getting at with Jack Flanders. Um, and Fulton is an interesting character who is like a half philosopher, half radio personality. Um, and he, he made an album with Ram Dass. He made an album with Stephen King. Uh, he, he, he made the, ostensibly the very first cyberpunk radio series. Um, he, he, uh, I, I, I mean, some of the people that he interviewed uh, in his lifetime include Captain Beefheart, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Abby Hoffman, uh, Mel Blanc, Sid Barrett. <laughs> I mean, he, he was in a movie that Yoko Ono directed, and he made an album with Abby Hoffman. Uh, 
And he also did a, a stage production thing of a Philip K. Dick's story. So uh, uh, Fulton has a very unusual and interesting life story. <laughs> I mean, uh, dig, dig in one of these days. He's a weird, weird character. <laughs> Uh, but certainly he has a lot of uh, extremely counterculture uh, opinions uh, as well. Uh, I mean, just listening to Ruby, you notice that he's kind of anti-money, uh, anti-government, um, uh, 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 anti-capitalism. Uh, it's, it's a very uh, um, unusual uh, kind of point of view. And, and Fulton really hammers on that stuff in almost all of his creative work. I mean, like uh, Jack Flanders has a lot of that kind of stuff in it. Uh, um, Ruby has a lot of that kind of stuff in it. All the other series that he does either skewers American ideals in some manner or another. Uh, I, he, he's a character that I, I think is fun to, to explore. Uh, and, and his work definitely speaks to not just counterculture characters, but to larger audiences as well. I mean, like he, this was on NPR. <laughs> uh, I mean, for you know, they were a lefty organization at one point, but uh, certainly by the time uh, you know you were hearing some of these programs, uh, they had drifted a little more to the center. Um, while Fulton himself, uh, certainly a, a lot more uh, left-leaning personality in the world. Yeah, if you if you're digging this and you want a more philosophical kind of adventure series rather than the sci-fi uh, detective type stories, I would go with the Jack Flanders stuff. It's, 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 it's a little more kind of metaphysical at times. It certainly uh, has a little more kind of like adventure, exploring the world kind of vibes to it. Um, and, and the Jack Flanders series actually contains sounds and audio that was recorded while traveling the world. Fulton traveled around to places like Morocco and Mexico and India and just recorded in, in in all sorts of places. And so the audio that you hear in the Jack Flanders series, unlike the audio in Ruby, which is almost all synthesized with computers, and at the time, in 1982, state-of-the-art computers and synthesizers, I mean, stuff that was thousands and thousands of dollars that they would only have access to through grants and things like that. Um, and, and so uh, unlike Ruby... Uh, Jack Flanders was all analog and he was going out and capturing these lush sounds and, and uh, uh, effects from all over the world and then uh, having Jack Flanders travel to those places so that the sounds were authentic to Jack Flanders' adventures. In a way, uh, I mean, Fulton was kind of like doing this kind of like metaphysical thing where he himself was having the adventures that then he would do a radio story about Jack Flanders going on uh, and often the metaphysical journey that Flanders was uh, engaging in was one that uh, Fulton himself was also on himself uh, so uh, I mean, the, 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 it was an interesting experiment in, in radio art where uh, I mean Grant Morrison kind of did a version of this with a lot of his comic books where uh, he was almost kind of like putting his characters in experiences that he himself was going through and in, a, in an attempt to try to transcend the the art and the real world barrier in, in some way. Of course, Ruby is almost pure science fiction, and so there's not a lot of that going on there. I think that is entirely Fulton just kind of getting all of his uh, old-time radio tropes out of his head and uh, into a radio form. Um, but uh, somehow, uh, by setting it a little bit in the future uh, and, and adopting all these sci-fi tropes of 
that became standards in, in, in cyberpunk. I mean, he has stuttering robots and time being slowed down the way that they do in Matrix. The stuttering robots and, and AI all seem very Max Headroom. Uh, the, the noir uh, element of it, uh, very Blade Runner. I mean, this came out the same year as Blade Runner, so that kind of uh, makes sense there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it certainly uh, he was onto something by kind of channeling this kind of cyberpunk world that in a way became kind of the blueprint for a lot of media that came after it. So I, I'm a, I've been fascinated with Ruby for a while now. I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. I got one more chunk of it to air. We're going to go long. Hopefully you don't mind. Uh, and then that'll uh, kind of bring us up to the first two-thirds of the Ruby story. And then uh, when I do another installment of this, we'll get uh, a bunch of stuff about the making of Ruby and then that last chunk of the story. And maybe some of those kind of precursor pilot stuff that uh, Fulton was working on in the late 70s. Um, there's a full story, uh, a shorter one, uh, that uh, he produced uh, before this one that I don't think was aired before this one, but uh, certainly uh, um, was something he worked on as a way of kind of channeling what he wanted uh, Ruby to become. Anyway, I hope I offered enough insight into what all this is. I, I never know how much to say, and I, I could talk about this stuff all day long. But instead, why don't I just bring you this last little section here. It's a, a, a special version of Sounds from Space covered uh, by Austin Rich of Mid-Malley Mutations with Ruby the Galactic Gumshoe. Enjoy. The attack drones have regrouped. My protective shield is going. They're moving in for the kill. Watch it, Ruby! I whip my disc behind, back, around, behind an asteroid. Won't save me for long. Their lasers are disintegrating everything. Asteroids are disappearing into puffs of powder. The first drone comes in. I slip its lasers and blast with all I've got. I knock it aside, but not out. Even my damn guns won't work out. Gotta get out of here. Ow! Oh! Oh! I can't get out. They're eating my shield. Ow! Oh! Here they come. They're gonna kill me. I gotta get out. I gotta. Well, you actually did it, Ruby. Did what? You teleported. I did? Yes. It's amazing. One moment you're being eaten alive by lasers, and the next moment. Sitting with the spectators. <laughs> Listen, Moliere. You were trying to kill me in there. Oh, fear, Ruby. Fear can cause teleportation. That's what this game is all about. You knew about this one, didn't you, Tarot? Well, it was my idea. Was it your idea, Moliere? Mm, no. Whose idea then? It was uh, Professor Tarot's suggestion. Thanks. Well, it was, sort of, in a sense. I'm. I knew you liked games, and I thought, well, it'd be an interesting experiment. Yeah, um, if I didn't teleport, I would have been killed, right? Well, in, in a sense, yeah. What do you mean, in a sense? You would not have been killed. It was necessary that you believe you would be killed. I wouldn't have been. No. Do you recall the moment it happened? Yeah. Something snapped. 
It was like punching my head through a wall. I was suddenly into another space. I'll think about it. Mm, yes, please. We do not understand how it works. That is, when it does work. Yeah. I must say, I was the hero of the day. The moles were delighted. Ruby? Yeah, Moline? You wish to know of the Black Star? That's right. Where is it? It is nowhere. What makes you so sure? I know of someone who has been there. You... Who? He is an Aurorian. His name is Monet. Last night I had a digital dream. A digital dream? I dreamed they dropped the bomb. Dropped the bomb? The bomb. This is Angel. This is Angel. We are the Android Sisters. When the bomb came down, it said, Wee! Wee! Here I am, to put you out of your pain and suffering. Wee! Your mental anguish. Wee! You won't have to worry about me anymore. Wee! Here I am, to solve all your problems. Wee! And then the bomb said, Boom! Boom! And then, and then, and then they dropped another. Wee! And another. Wee! not make me happy not happy i tried to run to run i tried to hide to hide but you know nowhere to hide nowhere to run to i had to do something what did you do i did a little dance Whee! it was a simple dance boom it made my feet hot Whee! me moving. Boom, boom. I found, yes, I had nothing new to say. Oh, on the subject. Whee! Except, yes, keep moving. Boom, boom. One step forward. Whee! One step back. Boom. boom. A silly dance. Whee! Is better than. Whee! A cynical dance. Boom, boom. But I learned a new step. Yes, you should know about. Ooh, it is difficult to learn. Wee! And that step is... Wee! Never. Boom! Do anything. Boom! Boom! Anyone else does. Wee! Never. Boom! Think. Boom! Boom! What anyone else... Wee! Thinks. Boom! And... Wee! Most important... Wee! Trust no one's steps... Wee! But your own. Boom, boom. And trust your own steps only. Whee! For the moment. Good luck. Whee! Boom, boom. I went looking for Monet, the Aurorian. He had left a message, was no longer in the Utopias. He was in one of the safe regions. Oh, my name is Ruby. I'm a galactic gumshoe. A good one. I find the Hall of Shadows. It's a place of meditation where you can deal with your illusions about life, if you have any. The walls breathe, shifting, changing their shape, their colors. Shadows lengthen, contract. It doesn't take long for your mind to join in and start creating its own illusions, mentally sculpting these shadows into, well, I don't know, old dreams, old loves, 
lost, 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 It's an ideal place to sit and meditate on life and wonder what the hell's the point. Money? 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 Where are you? Yeah? Come on in, come on in. You stuck in the shadows? Come on out. Come on in, come on out. Uh uh. It's a set. This doesn't feel right. Come on in, come on in, come on out. Someone in the shadows lying there. Money? 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 You asleep? Money? Or dead? Money? Yeah. I thought so. Money? You're dead. It's a setup. A setup. I flip on my body shield, click on my sensors, and set my Godzilla blaster. Okay, slimies, I'm waiting. A slimy's blast ricochets off my back, deflected by the shield. I whirl around and see the dying glow of a blaster snout. I let loose. The walls swallow up my blast. There's one. Or was it just a shadow? There's one. There. Was it real? Or is it my mind? I know where you are. Ha! I told you I knew. Ah, missed. And I know where you are. I like shooting you, slimies. I like to hear the sound of your detonators going off. Another slimy charge crashes into my shield. She was sputtering. Slimy tentacle whips out across my hand. I drop my blaster. <sighs> Suddenly the shadows congeal into a slimy. I slow time and watch as the blaster charge comes glowing out of the muzzle. I can't get out of the way. I'm outside. I teleported again. <clears throat> Bet that surprised them. Monet was dead. I contacted the Aurorian embassy on Sumanula. I didn't say who I was. I stay clear of authorities, but... I did go to the funeral. Why did the Slimies bother to kill Monet? To get to me? Who really wanted him dead? What? The author. Yeah, They're known for that. They create characters just to have them blown away. Writing is a dirty business. I sometimes wonder what he'll do to me. I'm not worried. He's created something that's taken on its own existence. I'll live on long after he's forgotten. He can't keep me in check. I tell him what I want to say and what I want to do. He's running a little scared. Yeah. Are you Ruby? That's right. Who killed Monet? Why do you want to know? Who killed Monet? The Slimies. Who are they? Who are you? My name is Moonbeam. Moonbeam? I am a warrior, Aurorian. That's quite a mouthful. I am Monet's sister. Monet's... I'm sorry. Who are the Slimies? Genetically engineered assassins. Where do they come from? Where are they grown? I don't know. Why did they kill Monet? To get to me. Why? I don't know. I'm going to revenge Monet. 
Good luck. I'll find the slimy nest and squash their eggs. Sounds good to me. Will you join me? Uh, uh, you have fought in a battle suit. Huh? Listen, I'm a detective, not a combat pro. You are afraid. Look, you find the slimy nest and I'll get into a battle suit and squash some eggs, okay? <laughs> I'll hold you to that promise. <laughs> Goodbye, Ruby. There goes someone tougher than me. Andor had left a message. He wanted to see me. So, what's up? I have a surprise. I hear you fixed angel lips. You shouldn't have blasted her. I don't take lip from a Frankie. Lips. Lips. You got your sense of humor back. Would you like a new Lacola? Sure. We celebrating something? Yeah. Is angel lips around? No. You really seem happy. What's up? Here. Oh, thank you, Andor. So, uh, tell me. Angel Lips and I are going to get married. <laughs> Surprised, aren't you? Who, me? Oh, I, I thought there were laws about marrying Frankies. Andor, I know you love soldering things, but uh, to marry a piece of equipment, isn't that a little bizarre? I don't think so. We're in love. Her track record for faithfulness leaves something to be desired. She'll change. You're reprogramming her? No. And she said yes? Not yet, but she will. You haven't asked her? Oh, what am I doing here? You want me to be bridesmaid? No. I want you to stop shooting holes in her. It wasn't a very big hole. It took me a week to fix her. She looked awful. She said she hurt. She's programmed to say she hurts. Jeez, wake up. I know that. But it sounds real. It sounds real, right. So will you promise? I don't know. I'll make a deal. What? No more holes in angel lips if you'll plant a beeper in her so I can know where she is. What? Just for two weeks. Just so I can monitor her. You know, where she goes, you know. That's invasion of privacy. This is the 21st century. Everything is an invasion of privacy. Besides, she's not human. She's an android, as I keep reminding you. I know that. Listen. The Slimies are trying to kill me because of something she did. I want to know Stop it. Never. I'll never do it. Okay. So long, Andor. You going to hurt her again? Not much. All right, I'll do it. And you promise never to hurt her again, ever? I promise. What would you have done? Scattered her parts all over the planet. You are disgusting. Ma, I would have sent you something to remember her by. Maybe her foot. You are the most awful person I've ever known. I know. And now it is my pleasure to present two of the hottest Frankies in town. Here they are, live from the digital circus, the Android Sisters! Digital dream. Last night I had a digital dream. There was a big nose. There was a little nose. 
The big nose kept sniffing and sniffing. The little nose kept sniffing and sniffing. The big nose said, Someone stinks around here. The little nose said, Someone stinks around here. Sniff, sniff, sniff. The big nose sniffed along the floor. A little nose slipped along the ceiling. Someone stinks. It is not me. It is not me. It must be you. The big nose slid along the floor until it found your foot. A little nose slid along the ceiling until it found your head. The big nose slid up your leg. The little nose slid down your face. The big nose slid over your knee. The little nose slid down your neck. The big nose slid up your thigh. The little nose slid under your arm. The big nose. The little nose met at your belly button. Hello. 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 This sticks all over. This must be a human. Are you a human? Do you stink? Do you hate your smell? Would you like to smell like me? I smell like plastic. Do you smell like plastic? Do you want to smell like plastic? Do you want to be plastic? We are plastic. We smell good. You do not smell good. You stink. I kind of like the Android sisters. They act the way Frankie's ought to act. A little dumb. You know? They aren't that dumb. In fact... Hmm. Oh, by the way, my name is Ruby. I'm a galactic gumshoe. A good one. Now, here's a thought. The Android sisters do some pretty daring stuff. A lot more daring than the other human robots in the media. Okay, now, what if the sisters were built by the digital circus? What if there are elements on this planet that are using electronics to infiltrate electronics, the media in this case, right? Right. Come here. Okay. So, the little rat-faced Kapoor hires me to find out who is manipulating the electronic media on this planet, knowing that I'll come up with the obvious, right? Right. Well, you know what I mean by the obvious. Right. 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 You don't know what I mean. I mean, why is the media so mindless, devoid of ideas, devoid of anything that might get you to think? Because the ones that communicate to the lowest common denominator are always the most successful. They rig it in, right? So, the competition sees how successful they are and decides to communicate on an even lower level get a bigger share of the market. They succeed. So, the other network goes even lower 
and they succeed, and so on and on, until here we are today, nearing the end of the 21st century, and the media really, really stinks. P.U. Right. I'm going to sleep. That night, I slept under the stars. It would have been a peaceful sleep, but... Would you like to sit under the hubba hubba tree? All right. Hubba hubba to you. Any problems? I pulled to the left a little. That's easy. Let me check out your back panel. All right. Mm-hmm. Is it serious? It, it's just a matter of tightening a little screw. Angel lips. Yes, Endor? Angel lips. I have something serious to ask you. What, Endor? Will you... Uh, yes, Endor? Will you... Yes, Endor? Will you marry me? Oh, Endor. That is so sweet of you. You will? I can't. Oh. I'm a Frankie. I'm Don't not... use that word. I hate that word. You're not a Frankenstein. Oh, Endor. Why can't you? Because... Because what? Because I have no soul. I've never been born. I'm not even alive. I don't exist. I'm an android. Nobody's perfect. You'll make a wonderful mother. How? I can't have children. We could build one. Keep developing the program. Keep transferring it into a larger chassis. You know, preteens, teens, young adult. I'm not programmed for children. You need a real woman. I don't want a real woman. Why not? There's so... Oh, you're different. You're everything I ever wanted. Oh, Endor. You are. You're intelligent. You make me feel good. You always know what I want. I love your psycho circuits. I love your electronic mind. I love your body, too. It's a work of art. It's, it's more than that. It's state of the art. Oh, no, Endor. I don't want a real woman. They're all neurotic. They're like Ruby. Mm, Ruby, yeah. I love the way you look. I love the way you move. I love the way you glow when you're excited, when we make love. You know I'm programmed to do that. Well, what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference between your program and a real woman's program? I mean, we're all programmed. It's just you're programmed to make me happy, and real women are programmed to make me miserable. That's not true. Well, it sure has been for me, and that's why I love you. Don't you love me? You know I love you. Will you marry me? No. You just say that because you're programmed not to say yes. Yes. Will you ever say yes? No. I see. Goodbye, Andor. Thanks for the tune-up. Mm. Yeah. How are you tonight, Angel Lips? I'm okay. You could do with a little oil, Sam. Things are quiet tonight, Angel Lips. I can see that, Sam. Are you feeling melancholy? Oh, just feeling the Frankie blues, I guess. 
I am only a bar droid. I do not understand the Frankie blues. Don't you? Not really. I'm pretty much a robot like you, Sam. Robot? The only real difference is that I'm created to look and act human. Go on. Let me put it this way. You ever had the robot blues? I could do with some oil. Yeah. You know, Sam, we're no more robotic than an awful lot of humans. I am here to serve. What'll you have, angel lips? I'm not thirsty. On the house. Okay. A Frankie flasher with a twist of silicone. In a flash, angel lips. You know, Sam, I could have been a really happy Frankie. I could have been perfect. But no. They had to make me just like a human. Just like a human. They had to give me emotions. Now look at me. Sitting in a bar alone. Just like another dumb human. Dumb human. Ha ha. Sam. Yes, Angel Lips. Do you know what emotions are? Emotions? No. Thanks. Oh, I wish they built me the way they built you, Sam. People say to me, how can you feel anything without emotions? I reply, I feel just fine. Yeah. Oh, they used to build them all like you, Sam. A little ash can on wheels with a couple of pinchers for hands. We were built to last. Oops. I wish I had some Brillo. Huh? I am rusting. Well, I'm telling you all this, Sam. So someone will understand. Understand? Oops. Yeah. Understand why I told the Slimies where they could find Ruby. And how they could get her. Oh, I see. Oops. What they're doing to her is not pretty, Sam. Not pretty, Sam. Oops. You'll never hear from Ruby again, Sam. Oops. Ruby hurt me, Sam. So I just did what any human being would do. I got even. Well, that's uh, going to do it for us this week here on Sounds from Space. Special Mid-Valley Mutations coverage on Sheena's Jungle Room uh, while Mike Rogers is away. And we will continue the story. It looks like Angel Lips has done Ruby a disservice. Someone's going to have to help her out, but who? We'll have to tune in and find out next time. I'll I'll post some uh, notes when part two is available. But uh, yeah, that's a... the first two-thirds of uh, the Ruby Gumshoe, the adventures of a galactic gumshoe, I should say, um, uh, as heard uh, way back when, produced by ZBS Radio, uh, used to be on NPR and uh, other radio stations as well. Heard either in a song-like three-minute format daily or in a half-hour format as it was produced and released much later. I should also uh, uh, mention that, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I mean, uh, certainly there's so much more 
uh, Ruby and other stuff out there about uh, the production of this show. But uh, check out the music of Tim Clark and the work of uh, uh, Meatball Fulton uh, and, and the ZBS uh, Foundation. Uh, and, and, and kick them a few shekels if you can, because uh, 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 Fulton's getting up there and uh, they, they do a lot of fun work. And they, hopefully this uh, whetted your whistle for what they do. I mean, they, this is old stuff by comparison. They've produced a million new shows since then that are all uh, worth checking out. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of those uh, uh, Jack Flanders stories as well. Um, so is Mr. Mike Watt. He used to actually run uh, ZBS features on his uh, show uh, when he was first starting out the, uh, 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 the Watt from Pedro. Anywho, uh, I should close this up here. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. Without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Name's T.J. Tarul, professor of archaeology. I was down here digging up the ancient Noyan city when I discovered the moles of Zizibus who were also digging up the city, only digging from the under upward. <laughs> this here is Moliere, the chief of the mole people. As you can see, he's a... Me, me, mole Hey, uh, look, Moliere. I know Ruby's taught you these mole puns. He thinks they're funny. But it doesn't make me happy. Molencholy. Will you stop that? <laughs> By the way, uh, I haven't heard from Ruby in some time. I believe Ruby is in trouble. In trouble? And or left this message for you. Well, let me see. Ruby has been abducted. Please help. So I become fond of Ruby, and she obviously needed help. I needed a clue. Try the Tuka. The Tuka? Of course! Hey, you'd make a good detective, Chief. I know. I was the, hmm, just reading the Maltese Falcon. Maltese Falcon? Yeah. Maltese. I found the Tuka in a sleazy bar in the Medina in Casanegro. He was sitting at a bar stool, four plump tentacles, and three bloodshot eyes, a blue mustache, and wearing a red fez. Ah, oh, Professor Turu, uh, may I extend a friendly tentacle or two? Yes, certainly, Tuka. <laughs> I hate shaking those things. Suction cups give me the creeps. Um, listen, Tuka, Ruby's missing. Mm. Got any ideas? Ruby made enemies. Yes, I'm aware of that. Baldroid! Another laser blazer, please. I kept guzzling down the exotic drinks that looked pretty lethal. So, Tuca, you don't know what happened to Ruby, huh? <laughs> no idea. You don't seem to care. Of course I... care. That's disgusting. Uh, where can I find the rodent Kapoor? He has been standing behind you for some time. What? I whirled around on the bar stool, and sure enough, there stood that little rat-faced Kaporian that had hired Ruby in the first place. Professor Teru, it is my pleasure. Uh, Rodent Kapoor, I presume. Do not call me Rodent. My name is Rodant, not Rodent. Right, right. Hey. Uh, Ruby's missing. I suspect foul play. Obviously. It's the Slimies. The Slimies? You can say that again. Uh, obviously, it's uh, the Slimies. The Slimies? Uh, the Slimies. Why didn't you say that before? I... Uh, did. 
Frankie set her up. Put the slimies on her. What Frankie? Her name is Angel Lips. Angel Lips? Hmm, you know of Angel Lips. Uh, yes, yes, Roby told me some Frankie had. Yes, he also told me that Professor T.J. Taru had her built to his specification. Oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> I am not interested in what happened to Ruby, my friend. I am interested in Lazar's Android works and your specific programming. Who is Angel Lips? Talk to you. The snub-nosed blaster was pressed into my stomach. He had the drop on me, the little rodent. Rodent! Oh, I told you, rodent. Uh, all right. Rodent. All right, simmer down. Listen, Tuka. You know I had nothing to do with this. I am a disinterested party. All right, I see. <laughs> well then, Kapoor, look out behind you. Ha, ha, don't try that, Taru. Uh -huh. Oh, we are not that. <laughs> oh. A slimy blaster caught the Tuka dead center. Apparently, it was loaded with an inflatable. Tuka suddenly puffed up and then he exploded. Tentacles went flying all over the place. Ruby is a ZBS production.